0: All right, Philippians chapter four, Philippians chapter four, verse thirteen. In your Bibles, we'll um, begin here, and you'll be—you—you you may or may not have noticed that this verse has come out the last few weeks, um, the last couple Sundays, anyways. And uh, while it's just been kind of plugged in there, I'm not giving a plug for movie theaters or anything like that. I'm not even preaching forward against that's not what this is <laughs> um, but you know back in the old days I guess there uh, when you went to the theater <clears throat> you're watching a movie and you got that popcorn smelling back there and you've got the, the soda fountain that kind of thing and you watch the movie and there this, be, be this little right in the corner of the movie theater screen it's like quick just, it's some sort of innuendo what it was was it was a plug for you to get up and go get some popcorn. Most people didn't even notice it was there. The theory was um, it would spark your desire, it would would appeal to the flesh, you know, your your eye gate, um, that there is popcorn, and all of a sudden they want you to go spend some money and and buy some popcorn. And and, uh, I don't know if it worked or not. I mean, I think it would work better if they just left it up there for about 30 seconds, you know, and everybody sees it, like, what's that popcorn doing there? I want some popcorn, okay? And you go get some popcorn. But um, I have no idea. They they say that that it worked. out don't how exactly you can measure that. If you can determine that somebody got up, went and got some popcorn because they saw this little blip where they just got popcorn and they're going I guess so, anyways. But I've been doing that in the last few messages, um, and just uh, plugging in Philippians four thirteen um, here and there in in the messages, even though it might not have been based around this passage of scripture at all. And our message today, really, I'm going to be honest, isn't based on the context that Paul is talking about here in Philippians 4.13, which is rare for me. I, I want to keep things in context. I don't believe I'm taking it out of context, but I'm not developing. I'm not, I'm not uh, setting the stage as to where we are at in this chapter um, or in this book of Philippians chapter 4. But if you'll stand with me, we'll read this verse. I want you to just read it out loud with me. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Ready? Begin. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Our God in heaven, Lord, we need you this morning, and and I ask you, Lord, that you would be with the preaching of your word, that I would not preach something um, that you would not want preached, even if it's doctrinally true, or or if it's even if it's not wrong. I just want to be guided by you in in, in how you want to present your word today, and uh, Lord, I believe as you've Hearts, including mine, that God, you would uh, that you you've already begun that, but Lord, I pray that you would continue to do so because I can't do it on my own, and I need you. Uh, I need Christ, uh, as this verse implies. And God, I need you to work in the service. We need you to work in our hearts, and and uh, Lord, we need you to convict us to the point where we respond how you'd have us to. And maybe somebody's not saved this morning. Today would be a great day for them to be saved. I thank you for Ashley being saved yesterday. with me. And, uh, Lord, what a great day. Uh, angels rejoice in heaven over uh, one sinner that repented. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we would rejoice as well. We wouldn't be left out of that, but you remind us to rejoice in that and motivate us to be soul winners and witness other people. Uh, there's a world that needs reach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people over love the world that need Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us to be those witnesses, to be used of you. I pray you'd help uh, Northwest Baptist Church to be a lighthouse in this community to be a place of refuge for Christians, to be a to be a, 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 play, a hospital for those hurting, to be um, an outreach to those needing saved. God, I pray that you'd help us in the service this morning, that you'd be pleased and glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Those of you who were here three and a half years ago, you might remember this story um, that I'm about to tell you. And if you don't, that makes it even better. Um, because that just helps me not feel like I'm telling you something you've already heard. Um, But uh, let me ask you this question before we we start with that. How many of you like to lose? Anybody like to lose? You enjoy it. Oh, good. I'm glad I lost this game. You know, how many of you, when you play Monopoly, you're like, game on, let's go. That's competition. Yeah. Okay. How many would admit you're sore losers? Anybody a sore loser? How many of you um, have lost? Maybe you should admit this. Your testimony, let's pretend this was like 10 years ago, over losing. Maybe like that. Okay, I have. <laughs> um, how many of you uh, would uh, would just say honestly, just be honest, um, that you enjoy winning, whether you're a sore loser or not? It's kind of nice to win, you know? Um, we play Dutch Blitz at home often. I've told you this before, and we play Dutch Blitz and... I can't count how many times we've played. Like we played that, we played, we played a lot, a lot. I can count how many times I've won. On one hand, I think my wife beats me. My daughters beat me. Josiah's gonna beat me pretty soon. But I love the game. It's fun. I get, I feel victorious if I just win a hand. You know. Like, Yes, you know, I got positive points, not negative points. If I win, um, if I win above zero, you know, if I'm in the if I'm in the black, uh, I, I feel like I've, I feel like I've won and, and I'm happy with that. I also enjoy trash talking and, and giving my wife a hard time and giving my daughters a hard time. And they like to feed it right back to me. I have to remind them I'm their dad and I'm their pastor. And so, you know, if you can't honor your dad, which the Bible says to do so, uh, you can at least honor your pastor. Give him double honor. In fact, let me start with like 50 points. That would be good. You know, I might, I might win if we did that. Probably not. Because I end up getting negative points every hand. And I go the wrong direction. Now, if it's a, it's a game to 75 and the first one to 75 wins, well, I treat it like golf. Okay, the lowest score wins. And, uh, and so I, I win every time I play. Um, and so it's, it's a great, it works out great for me um, when I do it that way. But the truth is nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to be defeated. Nobody likes to feel defeated in life. Um, and, and so that being said, obviously, when searching for a personal illustration of what it's like to lose, I don't have to look very far um, to find a personal illustration of being defeated or, or look very hard to, to find that. I just gave you one illustration. Um, I was an eighth. I was in third grade. I was eight years old. I was going to um, a school there in North Seattle, and uh, it was back in the '80s. You know, um, it was uh, it was 1985 or '86. I was in third grade, and some of you are saying you're old. Some of you are saying I'm just a young pup. I, I like the older people today, but um, but I, my mom just bought me a new pair of Nike Airs, white, and I, I remember being dropped off. Um, I carpooled with somebody and sometimes I rode my bike. Um, and, and that that day I rode my bike and I, I I put my bike in the bike rack that they had there in one of the buildings. And I started walking over towards the classroom. It was one of those, what do you call it, it like an annex room. Um, I can't think of the name for it right now, but it's just, you know, another building smaller um, that is like a modular building outside of the main building. And and so uh, I was I was eight years old. I was in the third grade and I'm walking up and I'm proud of my new shoes, you know, and and I'm walking through the grass and I realized I got a little mud on them. So I wiped them off and took some time. And then I see in the window uh, a couple, I thought were friends, Ben Buckley and Lincoln Webbeking. It's a great name. Lincoln Webbeking and Ben Buckley. And they are looking at me and making faces. And I thought, I don't know what they're doing. So I make faces back, whatever. I walk in the classroom and all of a sudden they start making fun of my shoes. Now they were just jealous that I had new shoes, and they didn't. They start making fun of my new shoes, and they start making fun of me. And he said he didn't like his shoes, and and the truth is, I realized that day that Ben Buckley never really liked me. Um, I just was naive and thought he did, um, and I wanted I was the kind of kid that wanted to ignore the negative. So, anyways, he never really liked me, and so he starts trash talking to me as best as a third grader can back then, and I did to him, and we're going back and forth. And, I, I'm a perfect man now, but I was not a perfect kid, okay? And so, um, anyways, so we're trash-talking, and as sinners do. And that trash-talk led to a scheduled appointment. That scheduled appointment was a fight after school at 305 behind the Lutheran church, just across the way. And, um, and, and Ben Buckley was going to fight me, and Lincoln Webeking was going to be the witness, so I'm like, all right, let's do this. i would never been in a fight before. I've known anything about it. They acted like they knew everything about fights. So they said, well, there's going to be some rules that we have to follow when we get there. I'm like, okay, all right, you know, no problem. And, and so we get over there. I, I run my bike over there, and I lean against the building, and I, I walk out there. and I'm like, okay, what do we do? And, and uh, Lincoln goes, okay, I'm going to give you the rules, okay? You get a point for every punch that you land, but it can't be in the face. You get negative points if you punch somebody in the face, Okay? But every point that you land, you get a point or every punch that you land, you get a point. for. Now, if it's blocked, if you block a punch, you get a point. I'm like, I don't know anything. I'm like, this doesn't sound like the fights I get with my brother. He just bashes my face. But OK, all right, let's do this. You know, and and so. Um, all right, sounds good. And then Lincoln said, and when I say ding, ding, it starts when I sing ding, ding, it's over. Um, so you get a point for every punch that you land. You get a point for every punch that you block. And if you run away, fight's over. You lose. Okay. Like, All right. Go problem. So we we ding ding we go, and we just started exchanging as best as a you know eight year old can throw punches, and and, um, and and I'm hitting his shoulder every time, right on target. He's hitting my shoulder every time, right on target you know, shoulder, 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 shoulder. And it was hurting a little bit, but um, I, I, Lincoln was yelling out the score and I forgot to ask him, you know, when's the end? How do we know when we win? Are we going to 50? Are we going to 25? What's the, I, I forgot to ask that question. And then I, I start hearing him yell out the score and Lincoln's like all of a sudden just getting way ahead of me. And I, I realized all of a sudden that that's all of my punches were hitting his shoulder, but but Ben was saying, I blocked it. Like, I blocked you with my shoulder. I blocked you. And those where I went. I blocked you. So he's getting a point for a block. And then he hits my shoulder. And he gets a point for every punch that hits on my shoulder. So I'm getting blown away here. I'm like, this is not fair. What's going on? And, and so I got mad and I moved in real quick. I'm not, I am not um, promoting fighting here, kids. Okay, parents? It's not okay. All right. So, uh, so anyways, I... I move in and as soon as I move in, his punch for my shoulder hit my throat. And he hit me right in the apple. And I was done. And I just I, I I stepped back. I couldn't breathe. I wasn't quitting. I was <clears> like, <throat> give me a second. And and some tears started running in my eyes. That hurt. That hurt really bad. I'm like, was that a face punch? You know? That kind of, is he disqualified? I'm looking for a way out here. <clears throat> but but I stepped back three steps. And so as I took that third step, Lincoln goes, "You ran away. You lost." I'm like, I didn't lose. I'm not running away. Game over. You lost. I'm like, okay. And so then they start walking away. Lincoln, who I thought was my friend, is walking away with Ben. So I realized we're not friends anymore. And I get to my bike, and and I'm just like, this is. Okay, whatever. And I'm getting ready to ride my bike home. It was in the '80s. Okay, in the '80s, you could ride your bikes to and from school. It was okay, and, and, and I was probably going to stop on Seven Eleven the way home, get myself a super big bowl, and, and um, you know, some bubble gum and you know, the kind the that's shredded that the baseball players were chew. And that kind of that's what I was going to get. So, um, some of you my age or a little older are thinking, "Oh yeah." So, anyways, uh, as soon as I get on my bike. Ben yells out, hey, Tad, let's go to Godfather's Pizza. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And so we went to Godfather's Pizza. We ordered, first, he bought me a personal slice pizza. And uh, we played an arcade game there called Pole Position, where it goes, prepare to qualify. Um, and, and so, um, you know, drop the quarters in and play that game. And uh, we had fun and we were great friends. Um, the next day, Lincoln bought a Nintendo. And uh, one of the games was called Zelda. We played Zelda and um, just uh, <laughs> um, we were great friends after that. The moral of the story is not this. The moral of the story is not, um, you know, it's OK to fight because after that you'll be best friends or, or, or something along those lines. The, the moral of the story is not how to have a, a fight or, or the proper way to uh, to fight or anything um, like that. Not at all. A little more serious than that is this. Sometimes we just lose in life. I know what it's like to lose in life. And I'm, I'm talking more serious than a third grader, eight year old fight. I know what it's like to, to lose in my spiritual walk. I know what it's like to lose in relationships. I've lost to Satan. I've lost to sin. To the flesh. I've lost to anger. I've lost to frustration. I've lost uh, to being faithful. I- I've lost to um, being committed. I've lost to being a soul in like I should. Maybe... Something more along the things of something that happens to you rather than something that you do. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've faced difficult illness in your life, or you've encountered family challenges, or you've lost your job, or you've you've lost your home. Surely you have had times of trial, and during trials, it's easy to lose perspective, isn't it? fear and anxiety can grip our hearts and, and they can cause us to lose focus. Coming up soon we'll be reminded of Christ's victory though over death. Amen? We'll be reminded of Christ's victory over sin and over Satan. And I want to say echo the words that Paul said, that's our hope. Not not a not an expectation of something that might or might not happen, but that word hope is talking about surety. It's talking about something that is sound. That is something that I am anxiously looking forward to is the return of Jesus Christ. And that's my Lord. Somebody said this, there's no victory without a fight. And I think about our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about him a little bit this morning and apply it to our lives. I want you to uh, realize and remember that even our Lord Jesus Christ had a fight. Even Jesus Christ faced hard times. and, and, And yes, as we just said, I'm so grateful that he was victorious over death. He won that fight, and, 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 and there, but there was still death. Right? He won the fight, but there was still death. I'm grateful that up from the grave he arose, but there was still a tomb. I love the song, there is a fountain filled with blood. But think about that. There's a fountain filled with blood. A preacher preached last week at the Church Planners Conference that I was able to go to. And, um, and, and he was talking about witnessing somebody who never knew anything about Jesus Christ. Like, you'll find that in places sometimes, especially in other countries. But, but in America, this person had never, ever stepped through the doors of a church his entire life. He was an adult man. Uh, he had never gone for Christmas, never gone for Easter. No one has ever told him any Bible story. I mean, he said that this guy didn't even know the story of David and Goliath, didn't know the story of, of Noah's Ark, didn't know the story of Moses and the Egyptians crossing the Red Sea. He knew the name Jesus Christ, but it was used in a cuss word type of way. And so this guy ended up getting saved putting put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ but then they're singing songs in church and they're singing, are you washed by the blood? There's power in the blood. And this guy was confused. And he's like, that's gross. Pastor, why are we singing about blood? And it was a great opportunity for him to lead this into a discipleship program with this guy about, about the blood of Jesus Christ um, that was shed for our sins, to wash away our sins. I'm grateful that Jesus paid it all. But there was an old rugged cross. You see, that cross was an emblem of suffering and shame. See, Jesus Christ knew suffering. He knew shame. He knew the feeling of loss. He knew the feeling of loneliness. He knew the feeling of, of grief. He knew the feeling of betrayal of God. Turned his own back on his own son when he was on that cross. But as the angels saying or said, he is not here, he is risen. What I'm saying is this, Christ knows what victory is. Jesus Christ knows victory. And, 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 and I want to look at him this morning at our Christ who suffered agony and betrayal and abandonment and pain. He sweat great drops of blood. And I believe that we can learn to endure suffering from him, no, 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 no. I didn't say we can suffer, um, I, I, I said we can learn to endure suffering. It's something we've got to endure for whatever reason that comes in our lives. Endure now that word endure we look at as a negative. Oh, I've got to endure this. You know what the endure word endure means? It and the basically the end result of it is you come out victorious. That's what the word endure implies. You come out on the other side, victorious. You're going to, listen, you're going to go through suffering. So you can endure it or you can choose a fail. Don't you want to endure it? And you're only going to do so through Jesus Christ. I know my flesh. And, and I know the devil and I know the world will attack and I Want to have something or someone I can look to, reflect on, and apply. So I want to give you some things that uh, I'm just going to say you should never, never forget. Go to First Kings 22, verse 19. First Kings chapter 22. It's every place there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. First Kings chapter 22. Verse 19, first of all, never forget who's on the throne. 1 Kings 22, verse 19, and he said, Hear thou, therefore, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. You're in in 1 Kings, go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, Jeremiah, I'm using a new Bible today, so i got to get used to this one. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, listen, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Go to Daniel, it's over to the right. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Jot these down if you're not able to get to them quickly. It's good to see in the word of God where these saints are. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient, look at that, capital A, the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head, like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. Never forget who's on the throne this morning. In your life. Never forget who's on the throne. That means that he reigns. That means that he rules. That means he's in control. That means he leads. Acts chapter 7. Go to the New Testament. Acts chapter 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Chapter 7 in verse 9. Bob says in the patriarchs. Let's see. I got that right. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. And look at these words. But God was with him. God was with him. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. You see, if you're going to do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you, and you've got to realize who it is that you're doing all things through, who it is that's strengthening you, he's God. Listen, he's on his throne. And that's the reason why you can do all things through Christ, because he is the one who is in control of all things. When difficulties enter our lives, listen, we can, we we often don't, but we can face them with calm. And we can face it with grateful assurance and we can remember that God is on the throne. Number two, never forget to let him work the trial. Never forget to let him work the trial. Even Jesus Christ said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thine be done. God's will is most important. So if I'm going to do all things through Christ, then it, what is it that I'm going to be doing through him? I'm going to be accomplishing his will. And if he's allowed it to happen in my life, whatever it is, these things are if he's allowed it to happen, then it must be within his will. Now you say, well, what about if I got into some sin in my life? What if I got into some trouble because of my own decisions? It's within his will for you to get right. And you can do that for Christ. You can repent. You can confess. You can, um, If you're not saved, you can be saved and know for sure heaven is your hope. If you are saved, you find yourself in sin and in turmoil, which you will find yourself in. You can get right through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Christ said, not my will, but thine be done. See, here's the thing. As you're doing all things through Christ, you've got to remember that your will is not what's important here. It's God's will. It's God's will. He, Christ did not sin. He could not sin. It didn't cross his mind. At the same time, he wasn't thrilled about the idea of suffering and pain that was to come. Because he was human. He was, good. He was going to... He was going to feel that pain. And and he said, not my will, but thine. The will of the father was necessary. See, the trial needed to work out. The trial needed to be carried through to accomplish God's purpose. And I'm grateful that it was because my eternal destiny was directly affected as was yours. Because he did the father's will. Today, we can allow the trial to work. You can allow that trial to work in your life. James chapter one, verse two says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what patience. And then he goes on, but let patience have her perfect will, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, allow the trial to do its work to change you. Number three, never forget to pray. From the upper room, Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed passionately. I mean, he prayed. He prayed so much, the disciples fell asleep a couple times. He prayed. It probably shows a little bit uh, to us how seriously we ought to, oh, how much more seriously we ought to be taking prayer. But it says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Why in our greatest times of need do we neglect the powerful resource of prayer? I mean, we have access. He's on his throne, right? we just talked about that. We have access directly to the throne of grace. But we can worry. We can bring our knee, or we can bring our knees to the one who's on his throne who understands, cares, and helps. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not in high which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number four, never forget his purpose. Romans 8 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image, here we go, of his Son. Do they see Jesus in you? Or what are, we are you in the image of Jesus Christ? See his purpose for your trial is for your transformation. His purpose for your trial is for your transformation. For you to be like Christ, to be in His image. Number five: Never forget your, never, never forget you are not alone. Christ was actually alone as He was hanging on that cross. He even said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But see, that same Christ, Jesus Christ, who we can do all things through. He said, I will never leave you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, nor forsake you. Uh, The disciples is a group abandoned Jesus. One betrayed him. Uh, One denied him. Christ will never abandon you. He will never betray you. He will never deny you Christian and if you claim the name of Christ he claims you if you've been blood bought if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal savior are you saved this morning say amen then you're a child of God and as a child of God he loves you and he wants to take care of you he's also going to correct you he's also going to change you he's going to mold you he's going to get things out of your life that that need to be taken out of your life and and, and whatever it is that he has you going through you can do all things through Him. Matthew ten thirty two says, "Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven." You're not alone. Deuteronomy three sixteen: Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake. Number six: if God has a purpose. Does he have a purpose? Say amen. I love telling you. Too. That means God also has a process. God has a process. We've been, in the month of December, spent a lot of time talking about some of the prophecies of the birth of Jesus Christ and, 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 and touched on the prophecies of his second coming as well. And you look at the details of how God worked out those prophecies and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, the smallest details of prophecy were fulfilled in some amazing ways. And and these prophecies were hundreds of years before Christ came to this earth. And yet he fulfilled those prophecies. And, and and, and there's so many different things that are amazing how, how the wise men were prophesied of, and the place of Christ's birth was prophesied of in Bethlehem and, 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 and how he would be bruised and he would be beaten and he would, he would um, be, uh, uh, shamed before uh, this wor- uh, world, before those who would um, pr- uh, torture him and, and put him through that suffering. And and he went through those things, this process. He endured what he endured because he knew there was a process to carry out the purpose. What's the purpose? I'm the purpose. You're the purpose. I'm the product of that purpose. God is a process for your trial in your life, and he—if he can work out the smallest details of prophecy and fulfill them in Jesus Christ, then he can work out. Listen, the smallest details of your trial, and accomplish his will in you. Trust him. You can do all things through Christ with strength you. Number seven: Never stop living. Jesus rose victorious from the dead. Right? I mean, that's like all of us should say amen there. Let me say it again. Jesus rose victorious from the dead. Amen. He was victorious in the trial. He desires to be victorious in your trial, and his purpose is a better life. He said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know that's only going to begin with salvation. What it starts. You're going to have trials, saved or not saved. They'll be different. They'll be for a different purpose. But victory only comes through Jesus Christ, and you only have Jesus Christ if you have salvation through the process that He carries out in you, Christian, through the trial. Through the forming Christian, you become more like Christ. It's through his victory that I can have victory. You can live again. You can live for him. You see, there was was another little incident. I'm not going to call it a fight. That I was involved with. And um, I'm not promoting this either. I was in seventh grade this time. I was little. I was very short. I was shorter than all the guys, except for one in public school. And I was shorter, definitely shorter than most of the girls. Girls grow faster, so it's crazy. But I was just, you know, little. I was super skinny. I was a rail. And I was short. But I was good looking. So, anyways, um, I had these friends. One guy, his name was Justin. My best friend was Tim McLean. I've known him since I was born. He's still a good friend of mine. He's a man of God. He's serving the Lord. But we weren't exactly um, junior hires of God in junior high. So, but um, Tim was big, just muscular, always had been. So was Justin. And I was that little guy that knew I had some big friends the one that annoyed everybody else because I had some big friends, right? Well, they had this thing that they started. It was called Open Chest Day. And Open Chest Day was this. Um, if you're a guy and you're walking down the hallway and you did not have your arms like this, Tim or Justin might remind you, you need to put your arms like this. And they would do so by making sure your your chest felt um, the their hand, their fist. And... Um, so, you know, I'd be pointing out people. Hey Tim, there's one. Boom, he go over there. Hey, Justin, there's another one. Boom. Now, if I did that to somebody, it didn't hurt them. But if they got mad at me, I had Justin and Tim to, there to help me out. They were my, they were, listen, this was in the 80s and early 90s. It was okay to bully back then, all right? So, um, no, it wasn't okay. And I don't promote that at all. <laughs> And that's not what I'm doing. But, but I, I had these guys that they were there as my backup. They were there to, to help me out. They were there to, um, to be my cushions or, or, or whatever. When you live for the Lord, when you're serving Him, when you're going through the trial, when He's working on you to become more like Christ, you're allowing Him to work as He pleases you're finding that you're more willing to be like him. And when he is in your real battles of life and your real trials and difficulties and, and testings that you're facing in your life and you're doing all things through Christ and Satan attacks and, and your flesh is weak and, 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 and the world is just bombarding you with, with all sorts of things and you go to places like Ephesians 6 and you put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and having done all to stand, and, and 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 you're able to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In the book of Timothy talks about, and you're able to to, to face the situations and trials of your life. You can have victory in Jesus Christ because it's not that he's necessarily fighting on your side, because. this is what it is. It's you've chosen to follow him. You've chosen to live for him. You've chosen to do things through him. I'm on the winning side because I've chosen to follow him. Living for him means allowing him to work as he pleases in your life. Throughout Christ's life on earth, he pointed everything to his father on the throne. Do you? He allowed God to work the trial. Are you? Are you allowing him to work the trial? He prayed to the one who was on the throne. He didn't neglect the prayer. See, he knew there was a purpose. He knew he was not alone. He knew there was a process. Christ lived victoriously all the way to death. See how he died? But he didn't stay there. He was not defeated by death. You see, the cross, as horrible and as ugly as it was, the cross was a means to victory. And it might be that your trial might be a means to victory. Your trial might be a means to a better life. And all the way to his last breath, in the last hours, Christ demonstrated belief in God who was on the throne. He prayed to God who was on the throne. He trusted the purpose and process of God who was on the throne. He looked from the cross to God who was on the throne. In his last minutes on the cross, he witnessed. In his last minutes on the cross, he forgave. In his last minutes on the cross, he loved his mother and his faithful disciple, John. In his last minutes on the cross, through every struggle and every painful breath, he pleased God. And we are challenged in every struggle and in every painful, and it's painful sometimes, breath that we breathe. We are to please God in all of those things. It's not God just, I can do all things for Christ to strengthen me and then just expect to live my life the way I want to live. And be upset that he's not fighting on my behalf. No. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Implying that what I'm doing is within the will of God through Christ. And because of those things, I position myself for the blessing. But if you think, for some reason, that you can come to church on Sunday, put a smile on your face, sing your songs, hold your Bible, say "Amen" a couple times, and then Monday through Saturday just live however you want to live, keep watching those sinful movies. That's a good idea. That pleases God. Yeah. yeah. Dress inappropriately before the Lord. God doesn't care, really. Um, what I'm talking about. It. Just, just keep living your life the way that God would have you, that, that you, you desire to live and expect God to help you in verses like Philippians 4.13? No, it doesn't work that way. Well. I don't do good works to get to heaven, but because I'm going to heaven, I do good works. And if I expect God to, um, and, and, and by the way, it is okay to have an expectation that God's going to fulfill his promises. Because God doesn't lie. But his promises have always been contingent. A covenant has always had two sides. Always. God's not fickle. He's always said to Israel look, Israel, if you'll live this way and you'll do this way, I'll bless you. That's my promise. And you expect me to fulfill my promise. But if you live this way and you'll live and you'll do these things, I'm not going to bless you. I can do all things through Christ with strength and with me. There's some things we need to make sure we remember. Too often, Christians complicate trials by avoiding the very things that will help. We forget who's on the throne. We forget that He has purpose in and through every single detail of you. Let me head down right close this time. Are you going through a trial right now? You need to come to the altar and spend time with God. Are you going through hard situations? You need to come to the altar and spend time with God. Is there sin in your life? You need to come to the altar and get it right with God. Do you wanna? Do you wanna do all things through Christ? Remember He's on His throne. Remember you can pray to Him. Remember that He has a will and that He has a purpose and that He has a process. Do all things. God in heaven, Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. God, to respond to your word, how you have us to. For this age, the Holy Fest is to